It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only, call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 93- one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and we welcome you into the virtual bible study for thursday february 3rd 2016 glad you're on the program with us tonight my name is jacob gwynn my father greg gwynn is here hello dad jacob great great Whoa, big ways boy, I'm way up there yeah and um um uh, it's already February. Yeah, we're already February the 4th. We're ready to roll. Ready to roll and ready to hear from you. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. And uh, sign in the video feed to the bottom of your chat window or to chat window at the bottom of your video feed tonight. Uh, we're going to take our pulse tonight maybe a little bit. Do a little health check. Yeah, before we do that, i got business. I got business here to do. you got business. Uh, 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 we had been saying we are going to order some bumper stickers if anybody wanted a bumper sticker to advertise the Virtual Bible Study. We went a little different this time. I don't know if anybody can see that. That's that's an oval. You can't see it too much on that square piece that it's backed on, but that's an oval of the Virtual Bible Study. It's not big. You'd have to you'd have to be right up on the back bumper of a car in order to see it at a stoplight or something. But, you know, people might think, as I was saying earlier, people might think that you ran a half marathon or something if you put yeah, that on your car right. and they get up there and look at it and they find out it's the virtual Bible study. And it only hurt as much as a half marathon to listen, but, it, <laughs> but you didn't really run it. Anyway, if you would like a, a one of these oval bumper stickers uh, for your vehicle, give us a little advertising in the community where you live, uh, send me an email to questions at collegeview.com. Just say, Send me one of those stickers and give me your snail mail address so that I can send that out to you, and I'll get it in the mail right away. All right, away. so get the sticker. Yeah, you might put it on. You might go on a locker at school or at your desk at work, maybe. There you go. Yeah, lots you do of something possi- like that. Lots of possibilities. Put it in a place like yeah. that. So yeah. Yeah. Right. So just send me a send me a email. Also, send me an email to questions at collegeu dot com if you're not getting our weekly update on topics because we send out that update about. 11 o'clock or so every Thursday, uh, shortly before noon at least. We try to get that out so you know what we're talking about on Thursday night and get you thinking about the discussion so that you can join in, participate. We open up the – we've always got our email inbox there. You can start sending responses right then. So if you're not getting that update, let us know. And, and the topics go both ways at uh, questions at collegeview.com. You can send your topics yeah, if there you have too. A question. We'll send you topics, but you send us topics as hey. well. That, and that reminds me, we got a very good suggestion, and I hope we can do something with it this way. Our good friend Ramona in Texas, yes. she emailed me. The reason she hasn't participated in recent weeks is that her husband passed away just oh, before the end of the year. And she wanted to know if we had done a program on grief, and we have not. Yeah. Uh, but we might, we're going to try to factor that in and, and do something about that in, in, uh, coming up. Okay. All right. But well, anyway, our okay. sympathies to yeah, uh, sorry Ramona. Sorry to hear that. Sorry to hear that. Very much. Uh, okay. Well. Uh, tonight, uh, we have Josh behind the controls. Josh, we're glad that you're here. Yeah, I'm glad to be here, guys. And look, look forward to your comments uh, tonight as well. And uh, look forward to hearing from our listeners tonight on uh, on some uh, uh, an important topic, I think. Yeah, we're going to talk about marks of a healthy congregation. 
And we've got this topic. That's not our title, but I think it's a fitting title. It's a worthy thing to think about. But we actually got this concept from a uh, an article or a blog on the, the Duke Divinity School website. Um, I don't understand this exactly. This, this is called Alban at Duke Divinity School, A-L-B-A-N, at Duke Divinity School. But anyway, a fellow by the name of Terry Foland has written 12 areas of congregational life that are significant in determining a congregation's health. Uh, and so uh, what he does is basically take 12 categories. He thinks these are 12 important areas. He asks questions so that you can do sort of a self-appraisal. Now, I think all of the categories that he mentions probably are are significant areas that need to that we need to pay attention to but he's got some faulty denominational ideas embedded in what he wrote yes yeah so we want to make sure that everybody understands that we're not endorsing uh all that we read here in this article but it went to our update list earlier today we sent out the link so you could look at that uh 12 areas we want to talk about each of them we'll have to go pretty fast to cover them all in an hour but again uh if you if you didn't get the update, the link is Alban A L B A N Alban dot org Alban dot org slash archives slash the marks of a healthy congregation with yeah. a dash between each word. Uh, that's how you can find that mm-hmm. article if you want to see it. We're going to talk about it, so, but we got to dive in here pretty fast, Jake, because we're not going to have time to get done. All right, well, we want to hear from you again eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. All right, so he says twelve marks of a healthy congregation. Obviously. We want to be a part of a healthy congregation. We yeah. want the congregation we're a part of to be healthy. Uh, wouldn't everybody? Sure. I mean, I mean if, if there's anybody out there that says, oh, I'm a member of a sickly little church and I like it we that like it way. We like it that way. That's yeah. why it's going to yeah. stay. I'd say, wow. <laughs> yeah. Keep me far away from that guy. All right. So, yeah. so we want to know what makes up a healthy congregation. And we also want to know that so that we can maybe push ourselves in that direction get get healthier get healthier right. yeah okay so the first area that he mentions is history and heritage and then he asks a number of questions he says how do we value our past okay well i want i would like to know what kind of which part of our past he's talking about uh i highly value our past in regards to going back to the bible reading about how it was when Christianity first began under the under the guidance of the inspired apostles and prophets. You know, the church that Jesus established, purchased with his blood. I mean, all of that, that's, that's highly valuable stuff to us. Yeah. But if you're talking about, you know, some sort of human tradition uh, that, that we've concocted, you know, and, and you know, we, we've been doing this for the last 125 years. And so that's that's our that's our heritage. That's what we do. Well, that's not nearly old enough. Yeah. That's that's a heritage that's that's way too short. That's a history way too short. If we can't take if we can't take what we do back to the Bible and say that this is why we do it, not because we did it five decades ago, but because they were doing it two thousand years ago when the church first began. Yeah, it, that 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 statement reminds me of Second Thessalonians chapter two verse fifteen, where Paul said, "Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which you've been taught, whether by word or our epistles." So they were told in the first century they needed to hold fast to that what they'd done in the past. Yeah. We do too as well if it's founded in the scriptures. Yeah. If we're doing something you can't find in the scriptures, and that's just the way we've always done it, then that needs to go. Yeah, and, and I think there's a lot of people in the religious world who who do it that way, they say, well, that's what we've always done. And, you know, for instance, uh, we've made the point before when we talked about instrumental music, 
Well, we have instrumental. We've always had instrumental music. Yeah, That's well, what, it's what we do. Yeah. No, it's really not because we can trace the origins of instrumental music in in, in all denominations, yeah. and it's uh, it certainly doesn't go back to the first century. Or we can have indoor fireworks because we've got the preacher who rides the bull during services or do bull riding during service so we can do that because that's what we've always done no not so right. hold fast to the traditions that are founded in the scriptures in fact uh in this idea of how we view our past it also reminds me of the church at ephesus in revelation chapter two they had fallen away they were told to remember their past remember that it says yeah. in uh in verse five remember therefore from where you have fallen repent and do the first works yeah. So Jesus says, think back to where you were, and that's where you need to get to. Exactly. So you've got to exactly. be your past. You know, in this same section of this article, the man Terry Folan says, how did we evolve into our current set of norms and values? I'm going to tell you, red flags ought to fly everywhere when he says, how do you evolve? How do your norms and values evolve? We don't. Our norms and values do not evolve. Yeah. They were right when they were given by inspiration of God. And there's no evolution that needs to take place in the norms and values that we have as a congregation. They should be what we read in the Bible. Well, yeah, that's absolutely true. The next line, though, I think is worthy to consider. Have we been enriched by or imprisoned by the events in our, of our history? You know, churches have histories, and uh, a lot of times there are hard feelings associated with those histories. And those hard feelings and bitterness, I've seen it where they really hamstring a congregation and yeah. uh, and and cause it to not be as healthy as it could be i know several years ago i talked to a congregation they were looking for a preacher and they wanted to talk to me about possibly being there to work with them as a preacher and so we sat down to talk and i i, I just said men it's well known that this congregation has been in decline for several years i mean it, w- it was a church that once had been almost 300 people they were having about 50 now I said, the church has been in decline for a number of years. Do you, do you think that this can be turned around? And they said, no, no. <laughs> you know, of course, that was enough. That's all I needed to hear to know that I, that wasn't where I wanted to work. But they were sort of locked into this sort of downward spiral. And they were, and so that history had, had, had hung them. All right. Josh, you had some thoughts. You know, the Lord's church was uh, planned founded at a specific place and at a specific time and uh, the denominations of our day were not they were founded by some man and they were certainly not founded uh, by christ himself so all right good comments you know if, if, a lot of almost all denominations if you talk to them they would trace their history back to their founding you know this denomination was founded in 1638 and they act like that's really a great thing well that's that's uh, you know 1600 years too late you know that's that doesn't work Mm -hmm. as we we need our history needs to be back to the first century all right so our history and our heritage how do we value our past well we certainly do need to value our past if it's rooted and founded in the scriptures and uh, we need to make sure that we're staying true to that history all right let's let's get another one here before we get to a break jacob Uh, second category that he says is necessary for a healthy congregation is Christian community. Now, when I read that, I, it made me wonder, what is exactly is he talking about by Christian community? So let him, let him define it. He says, who are we as a corporate body of Christ? What is our culture or ethos? What kind of climate do we provide for people when they come together? I understand that. 
Is there an atmosphere of caring and support? I understand that. Is this a place where people can feel they belong and are accepted regardless of their current or past circumstances? Understand that. Are all people welcome here? Do we present an openness that invites strangers into the community of gatherings? Again, there's there's some denominational jargon there, but if he's talking about the fact that we uh, have an openness that we that we care for one another and that we that we extend this caring uh, feeling to all people, you know, that we're concerned not just you know that that we're not a closed little cult, that we're not a that we're not some kind of unique clique, or you know. Uh, but that we're open and that we show that openness and we're, we're inviting and we're encouraging. Uh, we care for those who are already members and we're seeking others who we can help as well. If that's what he's talking about by Christian community, we need that. We need it. James chapter 2, the first four verses come to mind of the person who came in in the rich apparel and they showed favoritism to him. They, the person who came in in the clothes they've been working out in the pigsty and they didn't get us the same kind of treatment. I think he's addressing that here. We've got yeah, to make that's, sure that's that we're, we're, we're really open and, and we're, we uh, make everyone welcome. Yeah, let me read just a section of that, Jacob. He says, if they're, uh, James 2, verse 2, if they're coming to your assembly, a man with gold ring and goodly apparel, and they're coming also a poor man in vile raiment, and ye have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, and say to him, sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, stand thou there, or sit here under my footstool. Are you not then partial in yourselves, and are become judges of evil thoughts? I'm afraid there. I'm afraid there's a tendency to do that very sort of thing. We need to be very careful about that. It, if that's indicative of how we treat people, then we're not very healthy in that regard, and we can make certainly make improvement. How often have you heard a church described as being clicky? You hear it all the time. Yeah, and it's a danger, and we need to make sure that we are monitoring our own actions that they can't be interpreted as being clicky. That we're trying to include everyone. Exactly right. All right, Josh. Anything? I think I think we do need to be careful that we are you know, open to having people come in. That we are want people to come and we're want them to do right. But I think the underlying message behind all these statements to me still feels like they what they mean by being open and letting people come in or accepting things that might be wrong. So we have to be careful that as we let people come in, that we still stick to what's right and hold to what's yeah. True. yeah I, come as you are, but don't stay that way. Right. Yeah, I saw that in this one line where he says, is this a place where people can feel that they belong and are accepted regardless of their current or past circumstances? Well, I I just wonder if, if the implication of that is, you know, like you say, you don't have to change, just come as you are, stay like you are, and you can be a part of this. We, we need to teach people to repent of things that are wrong in their lives if we don't do that. We're not a healthy congregation either. We're not helping them or ourselves. We're up against a break. We need to get a break. And when we get back, we'll continue the discussion. Clay's on the line with some comments to share with us. We'll get Clay's call after the break. And the line open for you at 877-381-4567 for your thoughts. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study will continue right after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. This is Monty Overton, a member of the College View Church of Christ. Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study. We appreciate your interest in the Bible. It is, after all, God's message to us. We thought you might be encouraged by a poem written by A.Z. Conrad entitled, The Bible Stands. It goes like this. Century follows century, there it stands. Empires rise and fall and are forgotten, there it stands. Dynasty succeeds dynasty, there it stands. Kings are crowned and uncrowned, there it stands. Emperor's decree its extermination, there it stands. 
Atheists rail against it. There it stands. Agnostics smile cynically. There it stands. Profane, prayerless punsters caricature it. There it stands. Unbelief abandons it. There it stands. Higher critics deny its claimed inspiration. There it stands. The flames are kindled against it. There it stands. The tooth of time gnaws but makes no dent in it. There it stands. Infidels predict its abandonment. There it stands. Modernism tries to explain it away. There it stands. Here's some quotes worth pondering. Keep your head and your heart going in the right direction, and you'll not have to worry about your feet. Regardless of what we may say, it's what we do that reveals what we actually believe about God and His will for us. There's no standing still. He that goes not forward in godliness goes backward, and he that is not better is worse. Man, wish I'd said that. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. We're back on the program tonight as we look at marks of a healthy congregation. We obviously want to be a part of a healthy congregation. What are some of those marks that uh, this individual, Terry Foland, has suggested? Are they in line with what the scriptures teach? And if so, how can we apply them so that we know that we're part of a church that is healthy? Real quickly, we had a comment in the chat room, Jacob, from guest 7675. What do you say to the accusation that churches of Christ are less than 200 years old and essentially founded by men like Alexander Campbell and Barton W. Stone? What we say to them is that's not true. Uh, 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 that we talk about, we, we understand some of the history of Alexander Campbell and Barton W. Stone. Some people have devoted a whole lot of, of time to the study of that restoration movement in America. Right. where right. men. But, but the key is, what were those men trying to do? They were trying to restore the first century church. If, and that's the only reason we pay attention to what those guys did at all, uh, because they had a noble idea. And the idea was what was right, not the men. And so we pursue that same concept. Go all the way back to the first century. Try to be churches just like the church you read about in your Bible. Uh, by the way, uh, I think a, a really helpful resource along that line. Uh, oh, I had it up here. Now, let me see. Just a second. I'm gonna well, go. oh, uh, we got If you look in our archives, uh, March 27th, 2004. Or, yeah, 2014. March 27th, 2014. We interviewed, uh, what was that guy's name? A fella in England who had done extensive. Sissom? Uh, yeah. yeah I can't remember anyway. But, it, yeah. but we got, an, we got a, a uh, if you look in our archives, listen to the program, When Did the Church of Christ Begin? And there's a whole lot of really good information there on that subject. Do we have, he has information that predates the 200 years ago when Alexander Campbell and Barton W. Stone were doing their oh, work. He's got hard evidence that the that churches of Christ existed in England and, before Alexander Campbell was ever born. All right. Okay. So we that, that, that's enough of that. But I look at it like this. You, you and I took an old car that was in shambles, took it apart. It was in buckets. It was worse than we thought when we started. And we, we got an instruction book on how it had been built at the factory, and we began to put those pieces back together. When we got done with that car, we didn't title it in the year that we got it put oh, back together. Oh, good point. We didn't say... What, what, we, this when, is a when 2016 did, car. No. Well, we did that in about... 2003. Uh, 2003 or four, And so we did, when we went down to get a title and a, or to, to get a license plate for it, we didn't say this is a 2003. We said it was a 1972 because that's what it was. Right. And we had tried to restore it back, it back to like that condition. Like it was. Yeah. All right. We need to get to the phone, and Clay's been waiting patiently. Clay from Columbia is on the line. Clay, welcome to the program. 
Hey guys, how you doing? Good, thanks Great, for calling Clay. in tonight. Hey, I'm a long time listener, first time caller. No, no that is not I even true. That's not even true. <laughs> you've been you've been no. sitting in this chair before. Yeah. No, but, but I've never called in. Oh, okay, okay. okay. All right. Well, <laughs> first time for everything, Clay. Yeah. Hey, I, I I'm really glad y'all shared this. This really piqued my interest uh, when I read over these questions, and I'm like you, Greg. Um, I, I would I would want to see some of them reworded a little differently. And, and not carry the denominational baggage that they do. Uh, but, but I was really struck and challenged by some of the things that were said in this list. And uh, one in particular that's kind of been on my mind, and, and you kind of already brought it up, but uh, it's under history and heritage. What have we incorporated into our story of being a congregation from our successes and crises and from our failures? I think um, I think you can learn something from that because a lot of churches think the only way to be healthy is to be totally successful in everything that we do. And we need to recognize that a healthy church is going to have crises and a healthy church is going to have failures. And uh, perhaps the one congregation uh, that we read about in the New Testament that was the most messed up Probably the Church of Corinth. And and yet, this is a church that Paul prayed for constantly. It's a church that Paul loved. Uh, it's a church that Paul even boasted about. And, uh, and yet, I don't think a lot of people would look at that church and say that was a healthy church. Yeah, but they really were healthy in a sense because they recognized that they had problems. And they sought help for their problems. And uh, I think too often a lot of Christians are looking for the perfect church. And uh, they sadly would overlook a church that doesn't meet their standard of perfection, uh, but, um, but would indeed be a healthy, godly congregation, even though uh, they might have a problem here or there or they're imperfect uh, here or there as well. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean... Uh Sort of contrast, you suggested Corinth had problems, but seemed to be aware of, at least Paul made them aware of their problem. Uh, Contrasted with Laodicea in in Revelation chapter 3, verse 17, Thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods, and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Here's a group that was a failure, but didn't know they were a failure, or at least weren't dealing with the reality of that. And so I'm like you. I mean, there obviously aren't any perfect churches. Uh, we, we, you know, uh, uh, but that failures don't necessarily mean that we're not healthy. And right, that's right. Uh, so often in our day and time, people measure success by the the, the bottom line number. How many are coming? Is is that number going up or going down? You know, and that's yeah. how and that's how we. The truth of the matter is, a healthy church may need to go down in numbers sometimes uh, in, in dealing yeah. with certain issues. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you, a, another one. Uh, a, I'm sorry. A, a church, a, a ch- any church is going to have issues. I saw the mark of a healthy church is not that they don't have issues, but how do they deal with those issues? Yeah. How are those issues addressed? Yeah. yeah. Right, that's right. Well, one other one that really struck me, too, is uh, what is our culture and ethos? Um, a lot of times when, when people are picking a congregation to attend, I mean, you think about just our town alone, you know, within a six, seven mile radius of our town, there, 
are, are, are a handful of congregations that that are faithful and, and people could choose to attend. You know, e- each one of our congregations has its own culture. Um, you know, I, 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 Lanton is, has a little bit different culture than than College View. Um, you know, part of that is because there's it's a older and it's a little bit more rural. And um, when people come to, to visit and they don't like our culture, um, that's okay. It, it doesn't mean we're, we're wrong, and it doesn't mean they're wrong. It just just may not it just may not fit with them, and that doesn't make us unhealthy, and it doesn't make them unhealthy. Uh, that one really struck me as well as I was reading. I, I think you're right about that. In other words, uh, you could have two congregations, both of them sound in faith and doctrine, but just ha- ha- there's just a sort of a different. I don't know. If, I don't even know about that word of culture. I don't. I don't I'm not sure how they people throw that around these days, but you know, just the idea that it's a little different atmosphere. There, you just get a little different feeling in different yeah. places, and and one place may appeal to me more because you know maybe it is more uh, rural, or maybe there, there there's some older folks there that that I relate to better. Whereas on the other hand, maybe a, another congregation. Uh, with lots of young families or whatever, those uh, screaming kids so, are starting to get on your nerves, aren't they? Oh yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, I want to go where there it's where it's calm yeah, and peaceful. Kids running around. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, I, hey, I, look, I agree. I, I visited a congregation at, at, on uh, by an invitation from somebody at the post office. I visited their their church, and they had a they had a ton of kids. I mean, a ton, and uh, it was loud. And and I I told Shelly when when we got in the car I said you know I just don't think I could ever go there <laughs> it's just so noisy <laughs> so it, it's not it's, just it's, old it's, folks it's to happening say that. to you already Clay yeah you're getting it old is. you're getting old Clay you're getting old I know I know, uh, I know. all right man uh, thanks guys all I appreciate right. you hey, thanks, thanks for calling, thanks for calling in. in all right my pleasure I uh, see you bye bye eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven is the number to call look forward to hearing from you if you'd like to chime in Timothy is in the chat room. He says, uh, he's going back to that comment we had right after the break, and we're not making very much progress here. He says, it is my understanding the Church of Christ called the Geminati in Germany uh, predated the American Church of Christ. In 2000, I attended two congregations in Germany. It's exactly like the churches I've attended in the U.S. In Romans, Paul writes to the churches of Christ in Rome. And you've you've witnessed this as well, people who just opened their Bibles, and begin to follow what the scriptures teach. And if they do that, if you follow the instructions, you'll have exact duplicates. Yeah, and, of the, of the and, and concerning the the churches in Rome or the church in Rome that Paul wrote to, uh, he had never been there. Apparently, there had never been an apostle at Rome. How did those people? Well, they just took the they took the the plan, they took the inspired the instruction, instruction and they applied it, and they became the a church yeah. of Christ. Right. All right. Uh, quickly. Let's grab one more here. Discernment. Discernment. How do we seek to... Uh, here again, there's some denominational jargon here. He said, how do we seek to be open to God's call to use us as a faith community? Uh, what distinguishes us from other human organizations? Uh, do do our efforts to worship help to discern God's word and call us as faithful dis- call us? As faithful disciples, how well do we employ our spiritual disciplines of prayer, study, scripture, meditation, worship, and stewardship? Now, I understand that last one. In other words, uh, we we should pray, study, worship, be stewards of the blessings that God gives us. Uh, how do we decide 
things, and I guess that's what he means by the discernment. Uh, how do we decide what we're going to do? Well, that that it should be a question already answered. And in fact, it would be a very important determinant of our health. Do we do we discern things based upon the standard of God's word? Yeah. Right. And yeah. I think he said do our effort. Colossians 3.17, whatsoever right. you do in word or deed, yeah. do all in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Right. Uh, so, you know, that would be a, a true Are sign. we devoted to I the Lord? I don't know that's what he meant. And I, I get the impression maybe it's not. But it, it isn't. Something. How, if discernment is making decisions, on what basis do we make our decisions? That will very much affect whether we're healthy or not, right? Would you agree, Josh? Yeah, I was just thinking about Second uh, Timothy 2.15. Rightly dividing the word of truth. There you there's, go. There's a way to rightly divide it and wrongly divide it. That sounds it. like discerning to so, me. Yeah. Use good judgment and rightly divide the word. Good. And so a church that's not making its judgments and decisions based upon the inspired standard of God's word is not healthy. Yep. We need to be healthy. And, Josh, we're going to start deducting points if you don't use the Josh cam. It's there for your use. Yeah. We need it. Yeah. Uh, and we're going to take a break and uh, get this week's bullet point. When we get back. We're going to fly. We're going to fly. We've got uh, nine more to go. And so we'll go fast on the other side. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. A presidential election year is upon us, and Christians will be challenged to make decisions about voting, not only for president, but also for a host of other important state and local offices. Should we vote? And if we do, what should be some fundamental principles that determine our vote? First, it's entirely proper for Christians to exercise their rights as citizens. The Apostle Paul did so when he was being unjustly treated or threatened by men with evil intent. See several passages in the book of Acts. Voting is not a privilege in all places, but it is here and we can use it. In fact, it can serve as one of the means of our being salt and light in our society as Jesus taught in the Sermon on the Mount. So how should we vote? Here are some things to factor into your decisions. First, moral principles must take first priority. Where does a candidate stand on vital issues like abortion and homosexuality? If a political contender supports the killing of unborn babies or defends same-sex marriage, Christians should never vote in their favor. To do so would be an endorsement of these grievous wrongs. Find out where candidates stand on such issues and vote accordingly. Secondly, we've often been told that character matters, and it does. Does the candidate have an established track record that demonstrates high moral values? Is there a strong indication that, should he be elected, he would surround himself with good counselors and appoint worthy people to important positions? For instance, it's likely that the next president will nominate judges to the Supreme Court. Can we trust that such appointments will be made in ways that will lead us in the right direction morally? Remember what we read in Proverbs 29, verse 2. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice, but when the wicked beareth rule, the people mourn. Your vote is important. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I'm Kate, and I'm three years old, and this is the Virtual Bible Study. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. Back on the program tonight, remind you this program is brought to you by the College U Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. We encourage you to come and find out more about our history, our community, our discernment as we're talking about things here. We're trying to be a healthy congregation. We want you to come and find out more. Questions at collegeu.com is the email address you can use to ask questions, but we'd like for you to come in person. Find out more about us at thevirtualbiblestudy.com. All right, let's go quick here, Jacob. Uh, we're looking at 
an article on the uh, Duke Divinity School website, Alban at Duke Divinity School, written by a man named Terry Folan, 12 Areas of Congregational Life That Are Significant in Determining a Congregation's Health. I think as we, and we mentioned this to Clay on the phone a few minutes ago, I think all of the areas probably are, are, are worthy areas to consider. There's, there's some denominational concepts uh, sort of incorporated in all that he has to say, but uh, I think that these are areas that we need to look at. Okay. So the next one is shared vision. And again, you're going to have to listen to what he says to get an idea of what he means. He says, what is our way of being the gospel? Do we regularly engage in efforts to rethink our vision of how we fulfill our mission as a faith community? Do we regularly collect information from our setting and look to understand the needs of people around us? Do we engage in prayer, meditation, and study the scriptures to help us develop our vision? How do we determine priorities for using our limited resources? I think I think this, I guess if I was going to put this in my own words, he's saying, do we think about where we're going? You know, do, Are we pointed the right way? Or, and do, do we plan our work and work our plan? Right. Uh, and I think that is uh, an important thing to do. And, I, uh, you know, I think a healthy congregation does it. We don't just kind of aimlessly bumble along month after month, year after year. We need to have some plan in place, you know. And, and you know, do we collect, regularly collect information from our setting? Well, I think what he, I think what. I would say there are, are we trying to figure out ways that will work again based upon scriptural authority are we are we looking for ways that will work to reach out in our community and share the gospel with the lost around us I think that's and are all we, very important. Are we take time to assess our needs and if we've been successful and you know, we need to evaluate our, is what we're doing working and are there other ways we could work that be more effective yeah. and uh, is it are our priorities as he said being the gospel in other words uh, showing our light in the community is that our priority? Do we have the, the right you know, priority? A lot of groups, being the gospel or, or anything about the gospel, seems to be very low priority. They're, they're more involved in sort of the social aspects of religion, and that's not that's not where it's at. Certainly. It, it, to be a really healthy congregation, we're, we're about doing what the Word says, and especially in reaching out. And that leads, let's just take the next one, that leads to making disciples. Yeah. The next area of concern was making disciples. How well do we perform the continuing task of helping people grow in their religious life? Do we help individuals discover and claim their particular gifts, skills, and talents? Uh, do we? How do we prepare our members to engage in conversion efforts with people who are not part of a faith belief community? Again, I'm not. I'm going to quit saying that. But I, I mean, I wouldn't say that in the same words he's used. But obviously, are we making disciples? Yeah. Uh, that's what we're supposed to do. That's you know that's the great commission. That's what Jesus told his disciples to do, and it and it, it keeps rolling forward to every generation of Christians. It's a replicating uh, instruction. Yeah, Matthew twenty eight nineteen. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. You know. Uh, I think some versions even say there, go and make disciples. Uh, that's that's what our that's what we need to be doing. And if we're not, and if if we don't have a good interest in doing that, if we're not expending energy and time to do that, then we're not a healthy congregation. Josh, uh, yeah, I think both of those two points, shared vision and making disciples. I think first you have to do like Second Corinthians thirteen five, examine yourselves whether you be in the faith. 
and then as a congregation needs to do some self-reflecting and make sure you're doing what's right and then after you do that then you can go and effectively make disciples yeah i think that's right um but here here's the caveat to that maybe we haven't made any maybe we haven't baptized a single person you know this year are we a failure well, not necessarily. We're doing our work. We're, we're reaching out. We're, we're, we're striving to make disciples. It's not all up to us, right? Uh, yeah. They've got a determination to make, too, as to whether they heed the gospel message or not. Right. Uh, and so, yeah, we've got to be making disciples. Or we've got to be making effort to make disciples. Yes, right. Got to be teaching, planting the seed. We plant the seed. We water the seed. And uh, that's all we can do. Okay. Next one. Mm-hmm. What are we on now? We're about six. This is number six. This is number six. Ministries in the community. You know, the word ministry has changed use. Uh, uh, when, I, when I read about it in the scriptures, it suggests the idea of evangelism, teaching the lost, and so forth. Uh, for instance, Paul said to Timothy in First Timothy, uh, no, excuse me, Second Timothy, chapter four. Second uh, Timothy four verse five: Watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. You know that uh, that's the idea of ministry in the Bible uh, is uh, spreading the word, uh, sharing the gospel. Ministry today has to do with uh, uh, food pantries and uh, 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 softball leagues, distributing winter coats. You know, in cold weather and that's what that's that has become the modern day usage of the word ministry. Right. And I think that's probably what this author has in mind. Uh, it can be used that way. In Acts chapter six, it was used that way, ministering to. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So. But here, the idea uh, he says ministries in the community. He's talking about what we do in our community in regards to. Yeah. benevolent sort of things, I right. think. He says, what will we accept as our rules and responsibilities to the people who inhabit our geographic space? What services do we provide as a part of our discernment of what God is calling us to be and do? Does our vision include ways in which we can be engaged both corporately and as individual members in mission endeavors? How well do we make use of our resources, facility, wealth, time, and members to respond to the needs of those in our defined mission area? I get the idea that here it's 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 this is more social gospel kind of things right. that he has in mind, and I really don't think that the but New we, Testament teaches that as a part of what a healthy congregation. They don't have that charter. Yeah. Right. Now, as individual Christians, let us do good unto all men, as we have therefore yeah. opportunity, especially those of the household of faith. Galatians six verse ten. Yeah. We want we're not downplaying that. We don't we don't want to be taken that way. But but in regards to the kind of things that many modern denominations do as ministries mm-hmm. in the community. That's not taught in the scripture, and that would not be a part of what a healthy congregation is doing. Right. Uh, right. But the members of that healthy congregation certainly would be uh, doing good to all men as they have opportunity. Right. Galatians chapter 6, verse 10. So yeah. I think we've got to make a distinction yeah. there. Okay. But, but having said that, I do think that we as a congregation should make an emphasis to our members that they be involved in helping the community, right. that, that we show ourselves to be that sort of people, a caring people. Right. Uh, and I don't think 
I don't think we probably do enough of that sort of thing. You know, I, th- I think we probably should emphasize that more. That's probably a failure on our part. That's probably one area where we are not as healthy as we ought to be in regards to motivating individual Christians to get involved in that sort of thing. It, 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 the, the, the problem with the many relig- uh, religious organizations is they've institutionalized that, you know. I don't have to get my hands dirty because the church is doing that. And that's, that's I think, a big failure uh, of, of this institutionalized benevolence in the community. But but as individual Christians, we do need to get our hands dirty and right. be out there. Absolutely. All right. Uh, you want to sneak in another one? Yeah, let's grab one more here uh, before our before our last break. World view. Mm-hmm. Now, if you just if I, and I know when I put that out on the email update, Jacob, I know people are saying, "What does that mean?" Yeah, they probably read your update and thought that we'd just gone off the deep end because you put these these fancy terms in here. What so. does I don't know what world I didn't I didn't have any idea what he meant by worldview until I read his his comments. He's here's the questions he asked relative to our worldview. Worldview, he says, is an area of significance for a healthy congregation. How big is our world going to be? How well do we raise awareness of the concerns and needs in the world and of our interdependence and responsibilities? Do we offer members opportunities to respond in a variety of ways to the myriad needs of the world? Has our vision included concerns that reach beyond our natural day-to-day interactions? Well, uh, I don't know. How are you going to respond to that, Jacob? Any thoughts? Well... We do need to look outside the walls of the congregation. So in that sense, we do need to have a world view that is outside the congregation and seeing what's going on in our society and how we can address that with the truth of the gospel. Uh, and so um, we there are a myriad of needs in the world that the gospel can solve, and we need to be addressing yeah. those. Yeah, in, in, in connection with that, you might we might reference the words of Jesus in John chapter 4, verse 35. Say not ye... There are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. We need to look. Uh, we need to have this this view, you know. And in this sense, I would agree that a healthy congregation is going to say, there's tons of stuff to do, rather than having the view, well, there's really nothing we can do. Right. We're just we're just sort of keeping house here. Right. Agree with uh, that. And so in that sense, I would agree that having a, a bigger, seeing the bigger picture. Yeah, we see the big picture. It's it's more than just keeping the lights on in the building or who's going to cut the grass kind of thing. Yeah. It needs to, we need to see the big picture. What the, What is this all about? Yeah, I agree. Okay. Uh, you want to grab our last break and then we'll, we'll run to the top of the hour. We've got uh, five to go when we get back. And we'll go fast. That'll be three minutes apiece. All right. We'll get uh, this br- uh, last break. Then we go to the top of the hour. Don't forget, email me if you want a bumper sticker. Bumper stickers, questions at collegeview.com. Timothy has suggested a topic for a future edition of the program in the chat room, so you want to catch that during the break. And uh, we'll take your comments. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The Virtual Bible Study will be right back after this. This is Stephen Nicholson, a member of the College View Church of Christ, and I want to invite you to be a regular participant on the Virtual Bible Study. Your input by way of emails and phone calls are always welcome during the live program. We're also open to your suggestions about possible topics for discussion on upcoming editions of the program. We'd love to hear from you anytime. We're tracking the trends on the Virtual Bible Study. With juvenile delinquency and teenage moral issues exploding, amazingly, today's parents give themselves good grades overall for the job they're doing raising their children. Among all parents with children under age 18, 
24% said they've done an excellent job, and an additional 45% say they've done a very good job. Some 24% say they have done a good job, while only 6% rate their job as parents as fair or poor. That information is via Pew Research. The Word of God says in Mark 8, verse 18, Having eyes see ye not, having ears hear ye not, and do ye not remember? And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Colossians three seventeen. Now, back to the program. We're back on the program tonight, going to the top of the hour, looking at marks of a healthy congregation. We want to be a part of one, so we need to know what those marks are. Do the marks that have been suggested by this individual line up with what the Scriptures teach? If so, how can we implement them in the congregation we're a part of? Uh, I like the next one. I think the next one's excellent sign of a healthy congregation, and that is relationships. Uh, how do we value differences and deal with conflicts in congregational life? Uh, do we encourage individuals to articulate their own opinions uh, and beliefs to respect those of others? Uh, do we provide ways for people to get their interests and needs cared for without denying others that same privilege? Do we intentionally, here it is, do we intentionally teach ways of framing conflict in win-win rather than win-lose strategies? Mm-hmm. I remember a long time ago, a friend of mine said, what you, anytime there's trouble, what you're looking for is a win-win situation. Right. You know, right. Ideally, you know, you want it to be so that both people walk away saying, I feel good about that. Instead of one of them saying, I won, and the other one saying, I took a whipping. Yeah. You know, uh, so I think the idea of seeking win-win outcomes is the best thing. But, again, that all has to be based upon the fact that we're not compromising the Word of God to get to that point. Yeah. But we do need to have, we do need to understand the importance of maintaining healthy relationships in a healthy congregation. Yeah. Uh, you know, lots of our listeners have probably been in situations like those that I've known of in the past where uh, maybe a couple brothers have been at odds for decades to the point that they don't even remember what the initial disagreement was about, but they still don't get along. Yeah. And the church has been torn up with internal strife based upon those two brothers who, who won't do the right thing. We gotta, we gotta do better than that. And a healthy congregation, again, not that there won't be problems in a, in a healthy congregation. How do you deal with those problems? As you said earlier, Jacob, but relationship, maintaining right relationships ultimately uh, really, really important in a healthy congregation. And uh, I think one of the things we have to guard against is I think we have we we make the assumption that everyone in the congregation should be exactly like me, have the same interest I have, uh, uh, approach matters of judgment the same way that I would approach matters of judgment. We under, need to understand that we're all going to be different and uh, and not expect that everyone makes the same choices about matters of judgment judgment judgments yeah right. and, or you know that may they may not have the same personal interests that i have they may not uh be interested in the same type of of their family may not do the same type of activities that my family does there's nothing wrong with that we're going to be different we can we need to but we uh, need says, to nurture that we need to nurture, nurture strong relationships based upon the word we have that yeah. in common and we yeah. need to grow that yeah. relationship yeah all right next one family or excuse me facing daily life how does the congregation help people in their daily routines of work, family, and community activities? Does the congregation help provide moral and ethical codes by which members are expected to relate to others? How does the congregation provide guidelines in the areas of health, finances, life transition, and mundane routines? Well, I don't know that the congregation has a lot of business in in health and finances and life transitions and mundane routines. I, I would say the congregation probably needs to stay out of that. 
But uh, it can, yeah, I mean, uh, there are certain aspects of finances or life transitions that we could be involved in. Yeah, but but if you if you knew what these I, denominational I know what he's groups, talking about, you know, he's talking about Dave Ramsey. Yeah, yeah, we got to get we got to get Dave Ramsey in here because you know my four hundred one k is yeah. suffering. What should I do I, with my mortgage? Yeah, 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 that's not our business. Yeah, right. But it is important. That we provide moral and ethical codes by which members are expected to relate to each other. Yes, for sure. And I do think the idea of facing daily life, a healthy congregation takes the principles of God's word and helps people understand how to apply them in their daily living. In their mundane routines. Yeah, because, you know, if, it, if it's just all theological concept and we never get down to making Nuts and day, day-to-day application, yeah. then we're not doing a very good job. Yeah. So it is the facing, teaching members, helping members to face daily life uh, with the principles that are in God's word. Very important. Good. All right. Next one is stewardship. How do we teach responsible use of resources by individuals and by the community of faith? I think you should substitute church there. Yeah, instead of community of faith, yeah. right. Uh, do, we provi- uh, do we provide help for our members to understand how money and other financial resources are a gift from God? I, I don't have any problem with that. I, I think the idea of, of stewardship is one that we need to stress. Right. And if we're, if we're not being good stewards as individuals or if the collective whole of a congregation, if we're not being good stewards of what God's given us, uh, then that's a, that's a serious matter. It is. So both individually and collectively, we need to be good stewards of all the good things that God has provided for us. Sure. Certainly needs to be remembered and, and could be emphasized more, perhaps. Yeah, but remember, a steward only has authority to do what the master says to do. You know, I, I'm not being a good steward if I go out here and, and and use what's God's to do what God hasn't authorized to be done. That's not good stewardship. Yeah. Uh, right. So stewardship, again, can be tied back to sticking to the word. I think Josh has a thought here. Oh, there you go. Sorry. I, was gonna say, I, I agree with Greg. Anything that we have is God's already that he's given to us. He's just given us a portion of that. And so we're supposed to be good stewards of it. And part yeah. of that is given to the to the church. And the church is supposed to use the money only in ways that are authorized. So. Exactly. All right. You can't be a good steward if you're not doing the, uh, everything by the authority of the one you're being a steward for. We might be able to sneak in a call if you want to give us a call, 877-381-4567. Uh, you know, um, certainly, uh, we've, as you said, we've got important work to do. There are limited resources in order to accomplish that work, and so we need, do need to be fine, good stewards. You know, I think there are some congregations probably that are on the other end of the spectrum. Rather than being wasteful and frivolous with their resources or far too conservative with their resources yeah you know they want to have stingy i wouldn't say conservative i'd say stingy or well yeah yeah stingy would be that or just look i'd say conservative but they, they want to say well we need to have this huge rainy day fund or we need to have this money in the bank rather than using the blessings that god has given them as he would, has directed yeah so yeah stingy yeah my yeah. yeah i know some stingy congregation yeah okay all right the next one i think is really important one leadership uh, how well is the congregation developing mutual support and ministry in the partnership between clergy and laity? Whoops. Uh, partnership between clergy and laity. Again, I hope that everybody who read that uh, immediately said, uh, that's, that's not right. That uh, that can't be right. 
the the, the New Testament, is, you know, the, and this is this is what we're seeing in this article is that there's quite a bit of denominational concept, yes, all factored in here. But the, the the New Testament teaches no clergy laity distinction, yes, you know, and so that that whole that whole line is is a waste. Yeah, but, but I, how, how about can I restate it? Yeah, uh, how well is the congregation working together? To get the work done, do they think it's the preacher's job or do they think it's everybody's job? I like that. That's not very succinct, but that's what I think what we how we yeah. ought to look at it. He goes on to say, how do we share authority and responsibility? Do we provide effective ways to define relationships and roles? How do we work together to fulfill our vision of being a faith community? Uh, leadership is important, you know, and and a, a fully organized congregation of God's people. Uh, with elders, deacons, and saints, as we read in Philippians chapter one, verse one, is very you know there's such great wisdom in God's plan for the local congregation. But men have abandoned it. Yeah, God's plan for congregations is local, autonomous, independent congregations, self-governing. No one, no one. We're not reporting to higher agencies and uh, archdioceses and all that sort of thing. In the New Testament, every congregation was completely independent and autonomous, self-governing, uh, no no organizational ties to any other congregation. And that's the way it needs to be. But within the local congregation, there needs to be effective leadership. And in congregations where there are not elders, that ought to be the a primary goal to get elders uh, appointed. All right. And And we've talked about that before. Probably we'll talk about it again. But the scriptures, again, very specific about that role that work and who's qualified to do it yes and so the church does need good leaders but the church needs to understand that if anything's going to get done it's going to require the members to be involved in that and it reminds me of a program we did back all the way back uh march 24th 2011 about five years ago the church is the people and one of the points we made in that program was we need to remember that the church is the people and so if anything's going to get done it's going to take the people doing it we can't just say well somebody else will take care of that we need to understand that it's our obligation as members to be involved in working together to get things done. Don't we also have a, I know we do, we've got a, a, a past episode there where we talked about elders, and the qualification of elders yes, uh, in the Virtual Bible Studies uh, archives. You can find that. So yep. uh, That'd be good. that goes all the way back to 2008 uh, when we talked about elders. So, yeah. Okay. So it's there. There. All Probably right. So if, we talked about it again. That's been a long time. Yeah. Seven years. Eight years. Finally, number twelve. I didn't think we were going to get there, but we've got. We actually got a couple minutes left. Uh, we, we overshot our goal. Uh, connection to faith family. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, here's one where I was scratching my head. What does that mean? Here's the way he explained it in his article. Again, all of this has been taken from an article by a fellow by the name of Terry. What was his name? Terry Foland. Foland. Terry mm-hmm. Foland. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he has written this. It's on the website of Alban at Duke Divinity School. A L B A N. Alban at Duke Divinity School. Probably don't need to go there though. You can just listen to this program. We've pretty much covered it. Yeah. Uh, but he. So this last one marks of a of a healthy congregation connection to faith family. He explains it this way. How do we both contribute to and receive support from the structures of our larger denomination or faith family? Well, there again, there's a problem. I'd ask, I'd ask the question. He's, talk, he's, he's suggesting the idea that this healthy congregation he's trying to define is under the some auspices kind of, of some denominational yeah. hierarchy. That's, that's not biblical. Find a, 
find an example in the New Testament where there was any kind of arrangement like that where people were going to contribute and su- receive rep- support from a larger denomination. Didn't didn't happen that way. Yeah. And he's saying, uh, what does our connection to that, how does our connection to that contribute to our sense of identity and mission? Well, it shouldn't at all. Our identity and our mission is not defined by some higher organization is sending, or, sending instruction down telling us what to do. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and any, I want to say this, any religious organization that is working on the premises of that sort of an organizational structure is not healthy because it's not biblical. If we're defining healthy as being biblically sound and following the doctrines taught in the Word of God, then it is not a healthy congregation that is involved in a hierarchical arrangement like that. It didn't exist in the New Testament. It certainly would not be scriptural. Now, let's back off from that a little bit, though. Rather than saying that we need to, this faith family needs to be something bigger than the local congregation, what about the faith family within the congregation? What does our connection to our family in the congregation, how does that contribute to our sense of identity and mission? That certainly is valuable and certainly needs to be understood. I think a passage is like Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. That's connection with your faith family. And that's that connection does help us with our sense of identity and mission. Yeah. I, I there, there might be some sense in which I would agree that, you know, I think it's good for a healthy congregation to know of other faithful, faithful healthy Brother. congregations that, that and and even relate to them in in yeah. non-organic ways you know we're not we're not structurally tied to them but the idea that we know of other faithful brothers and sisters in uh, in, in in some in in our particular geographical region and we relate to them and we uh you know we share uh, uh in in the in the sense that we want to encourage them, and they encourage us, and that sort of thing. Sure. I think that's healthy. But, sure. but yeah. there's no there's no organizational structure of our Lord of our larger denomination, is what he said, and that, that's just wrong. All right, we did. We finished. It's amazing, Josh. Uh, any comments that we've skipped to yours that uh, you'd like to throw in here? You got you got the floor here. We'll I just you. I just think that bottom line, people have men have tried to make the church into a business format, so they tried to structure it that way tried to put they've, they've messed up leadership and as far as like all the the whole the whole list as far as ministries and things they tried to make uh the church into a business and god never set it up that way yeah it's not a social club and it's not hierarchy a business uh, you know what's interesting here is some of these concepts can be found in the bible but look how they've sort of mushroomed them and 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 added all in, in all kind of human philosophy uh it sort of corrupted the whole thing yeah anything else josh thanks for being here tonight josh for your time yeah thank y'all for having me and dad thank you for a good discussion certainly it is important that we gauge the health of our congregation and maybe there's some things we talked about tonight that we see that the church that we're part of needs to improve on yeah because we want to be a healthy congregation and hey if it's going to improve it'll start with me I've got a, I've got a role in that. I can't just say, well, the church, those people over there. No, you what know, am I going to do about it? The old, the old, the old story about someone ought to do something. Yeah. Well, are you not someone? Start now. Yeah. Start now. All right. 
Thank you for joining us on the program tonight. Hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. We'll remind you, send your topic suggestions to questions at collegeview.com anytime. Or maybe you just have a question about something you've heard on a past program, you'd like some clarification, questions at collegeview.com. Make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.